0: Hello and welcome to the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allison Sukameli. Each week I'll be taking the science of positive psychology, adding a little humor, and through evidence-based research, providing you with tools and strategies to help you live a life of peace and purpose. In this episode, we'll be talking about the 4th of July, veterans and pets, thick understanding of happiness, post-traumatic growth, and how to use the morning routine template teachers, you may also want to check out The Lemon Tree by AKS on TPT, formerly known as Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm constantly adding resources and lessons each week, several of which I mentioned on the podcast. For instance, as we move into the summer, I updated my morning routine template with an inspirational quote section. And anyone can use the free resources. So again, check it out on TPT. My shop name is The Lemon Tree by AKS. And if you see one of my favorite quotes, Let Nothing Dim the Light That Shines From Within by Maya Angelou, you are in the right spot. You can also find the link in the show notes at thelemontreecoaching.com under the resources tab, as well as some other free stuff. And if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can also follow me on Instagram at thelimontreecoaching.com. And thank you for all the kind comments and inspiration that you give right back to me. Okay, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast and happy 4th of July. Hopefully whatever you were up to on the 4th brought you some peace, relaxation, and rejuvenation. One thing we do need to keep in mind when it comes to this holiday is that it may not mean the same thing to each of us, and often there are aspects of this day that we may not realize negatively impacts others. For many of us, this is a day of celebration in which we gather with our friends and family. There's often food, fun outdoors, a parade, and fireworks. And while this idea of happiness and the pursuit of it, along with life and liberty, are deemed to be inalienable rights in America— We all certainly do not define happiness in the same way, nor do we celebrate in the same way on the 4th of July. So some things to consider and keep in mind on and around this holiday, and I say around because people always seem to set off fireworks in the weeks prior to and well after the holiday has passed, but again, some people will find that entertaining and humorous or whatever at 2am on a Tuesday, but others will not so much for various reasons. Some people respect the quiet enjoyment of people in their homes, while others do not so much and neglect to realize that people have children, pets, and also have to go to work on the same Tuesday without restful sleep because they had firecrackers or bottle rockets burning a hole in their pocket. Pun intended. In the article, The Pursuit of Happiness on the 4th of July, Jefferson was no promoter of selfishness. Author Dobrin writes, America's founding fathers held an assumption that behind the pursuit of happiness stood a developed and mature sense of ethics. The order of nature is that individual happiness shall be inseparable from the practice of virtue, Jefferson said. In a letter to Amos J. Cook in 1816, he wrote, without virtue, happiness cannot be. So again, we can return to the values in action inventory that we talked about in prior episodes and be reminded of our signature strengths and virtues under which they fall. Dobrin goes on to say, Jefferson dissolved moral conflicts between oneself and others, between one value and another, between one principle and another, by equating duty with happiness and self-interest with service to others. But the larger point remains – The link, while not perfect, is clear. Happiness is dependent upon virtue. You must live decently in order to approach happiness. Jefferson believed that truth, happiness, and morality belong to each other. One wasn't possible alone. For him, the pursuit of self-interest led to the goodness of all, because self-interest rested upon a benevolent human nature, and your interest always took the interest of others into account. Dobrin makes a connection between virtue and happiness, as many of us do, as people have the propensity for good because it is in the nature of human beings to find the deepest satisfaction by living virtuously. In addition to the idea of the pursuit of happiness, holidays, any holidays, can bring up complicated emotions for any reason. It could simply be the stress of going to the grocery store to get food for your event, which the day before most holidays I find insanely crowded, and I either find people who are yelling and arguing with one another at the store, or I find that they are extremely kind and complimentary to one another, but there seems to be no in-between, which I find intriguing. And sometimes this stress is fueled by personal historical narratives not aligning with mainstream narratives, especially in the months of June and July. So don't assume that your personal historical narrative is everyone else's. There can be a lot of cognitive dissonance or the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. And the 4th of July does not mean the same thing to everyone and is more than just grilling and fireworks. In fact, the pursuit of happiness means more in the Declaration of Independence than simply chasing a fleeting feeling and Emory University spoke with Professor Brent Strawn about why a thick understanding of the pursuit of happiness may be even more important today than ever before. And in the article, What the Declaration of Independence Really Means by the Pursuit of Happiness, which is ranked one of the most consistently read articles in the Emory News Center, Strawn says, It may be that the American dream, if that is parsed as lots of money and the like, isn't a sufficient definition of the good life or true happiness, it may in fact be detrimental. So what does happiness really mean in this sense? In the interview, Strawn says that most people misconstrue the word pursuit to mean chasing happiness as in the phrase, in hot pursuit. This would mean that the pursuit of happiness has to do with seeking it or going after it somehow. However, he goes on to say, the pursuit of happiness did not mean chasing or seeking it, but actually practicing happiness, the experience of happiness. Not just chasing it, but actually catching it. And this includes people's safety and happiness. Strawn says this difference matters because seeking happiness is one thing, but actually obtaining it and experiencing it or practicing happiness is an entirely different matter. It's the difference between dreaming and reality. Remember that the pursuit of happiness in the Declaration is not a quest or a pastime, but an unalienable right. Everyone has the right to actually be happy, not just try to be happy. He also uses the metaphor, you don't just get the chance to make the baseball team, you are guaranteed a spot. That's a very different understanding. He also points out that the happiness of which the Declaration speaks is not simple, light, and momentary pleasure, all la some hedonic understandings of happiness. In other words, do what feels right if it makes you happy. In the Declaration, the pursuit of happiness is listed with other unalienable rights of life and liberty. Those are qualities of existence, states of being. You are either alive or dead, free or enslaved. When it comes to living a life of peace and purpose, Strawn adds, according to the Declaration, the extended quality of happiness, or what we might call the good or flourishing life, is or should be a primary concern of government. That means it isn't just about my happiness, especially idiosyncratically defined, but about all citizens' happiness. And when it comes to happiness, we have to think of it beyond our basic understandings of happiness and think about the good life which Seligman describes as using our character strengths to engage in activities that we find intrinsically fulfilling during work, play, and in our relationships. Often we assume that if we have more money, a better job, a bigger house, or a fancier car, that we will be happier. However, even though it is often assumed that the relationship between money and happiness is a positive one, in other words, we assume that the more money we have, the happier we will be, the relationship is actually paradoxical in that more money does not necessarily guarantee more happiness. While foundational research from 2010, which I'm pretty sure I spoke about in a previous episode of this podcast, The initial research states that day-to-day happiness rose as annual income increased, but above $75,000 it leveled off and happiness plateaued. That has been the longtime rule of thumb when it came to empirical research on this subject But newer research from March of 2023 is now reconciling these previously contradictory results, and researchers from Penn and Princeton have now found a steady association between larger incomes and greater happiness for most people, but a rise and plateau for an unhappy minority. This is what Michelle W. Berger reports in the article, Does More Money Correlate with Greater Happiness? To reconcile the differences, the new findings show that on average, larger incomes are associated with ever-increasing levels of happiness. However, if we take a closer look, the relationship becomes more complex, revealing that within that overall trend, an unhappy cohort in each income group shows a sharp rise in happiness up to $100,000 annually and then plateaus. And I'll leave the link in the show notes at TheLemonTreeCoaching.com under the resources tab if you want to explore this article more. But to simplify, the researchers conclude that for most people, larger incomes are associated with greater happiness. The exception is people who are financially well off but unhappy. For instance, if you're rich and miserable, more money won't help. For everyone else, more money was associated with higher happiness to somewhat varying degrees. So again, check out the article for more details. And again, to have a thick understanding of happiness, we have to move beyond pleasure and redefine happiness while also acknowledging that life is filled with problems and pain as well, which may result in post-traumatic growth, also known as PTG, which is where someone has been affected by PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder and finds a way to take new meaning from their experiences in order to live their lives in a different way than prior to the trauma. People sometimes think resilience and PTG are the same thing. However, the National Institute of Health explains, in short, resilience focuses on adapting and adjusting to adversity with or without struggling, whereas PTG focuses on transformative changes resulting from psychological struggle caused by shattered beliefs or worldview. And psychologist Richard Tedeschi further explains, Someone who is already resilient when trauma occurs won't experience PTG because a resilient person isn't rocked to the core by an event and doesn't have to seek a new belief system. Less resilient people, on the other hand, may go through distress and confusion as they try to understand why this terrible thing happened to them and what it means for their world view. And Kanako Taku, spelled K-A-N-A-K-O, last name T-A-K-U, and survivor of the 1995 Kobe earthquake in Japan an associate professor of psychology at Oakland University, notes that post-traumatic growth is a process that takes a lot of time, energy, and struggle. And positive psychology defines post-traumatic growth, or PTG, as the process of change involved in developing beyond previous levels of functioning, and it can help us make sense of our world and our lives. And if you're interested, you can find the Post-Traumatic Growth Inventory easily online. I, of course, will also leave a link in the show notes. And it is important to note that positive psychology widely recognizes that difficult times are unavoidable and ultimately crucial to future wellness. Depending on the degree of trauma experienced, it may be necessary to speak with a psychologist to guide you through the process of healing. If you are currently in crisis, please dial 988 for the Suicide in Crisis Lifeline. Again, dial 988 if you are in crisis or need to speak with someone immediately. And with that in mind, when it comes to celebrating the 4th of July and enjoying picnics, outdoor activities, and fireworks, not everyone, and even pets, may not appreciate these activities in the same way. For some veterans, the celebrations had by most may include reminders that trigger uneasiness and discomfort. And according to Veteran Affairs, it's important for veterans and their friends and family to plan ahead. And if you are a veteran, the VA recommends that you let your family and friends know if something makes you feel uncomfortable. Recognizing your triggers ahead of time can help avoid bigger problems down the road. So some common symptoms experienced around the 4th of July may include light sensitivity to fireworks and sparklers, especially at night sound irritability from fireworks and ceremonial gun and cannon fire, uneasiness or feeling on edge in crowds, and flashbacks due to sounds or smells. And you can find more information about each of these symptoms at new.va.gov. There are also stories posted from other veterans who have found treatment for light and noise sensitivity, as well as additional resources that will help you practice self-help tips and relaxation exercises to relieve feelings of uneasiness. And again, if you find yourself in crisis, please call or text 988 for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. It is available nationwide. You can also visit their website at 988lifeline.org for more resources or to chat with someone online. Again, it's 988lifeline.org. In addition to veterans, the American Veterinary Medical Association also reminds us that festivities can be frightening and even dangerous for animals. Noisy fireworks and other celebrations can startle animals and cause them to run away. Holiday foods can be unhealthy, summer heat and travel can be dangerous, and potentially dangerous debris can end up lying on the ground where pets can eat or play with it. And the AVMA recommends the following preparation for a safe celebration. And again, it doesn't just have to be the 4th of July. But make sure your pets, cats and dogs alike, have identification tags with up-to-date information. And if you have horses, you might consider marking a safety breakaway halter with your contact information and leaving it on your horse during this stressful time. If your pets aren't already microchipped, talk with your veterinarian about microchipping. This simple procedure can greatly improve your chances of getting your pets back if they become lost. And if your pets are microchipped, make sure your contact information in the microchip registry is up to date. Also, take a current photo of all your cats, dogs, and horses just in case. And if your pet historically has been anxious on this holiday, or if you have reason to expect potentially harmful reactions, consider behavioral therapy to desensitize your pet and reduce the risk of problems. Some pets may need medication, so consult your veterinarian or a veterinary behaviorist. And make sure your environment is safe and secure. If your neighbors set off fireworks at an unexpected time, is your yard secure enough to keep your pet contained? Are pasture fences secure enough to keep horses or other livestock confined? Evaluate your options and choose the safest area for your animals and make improvements if needed to make the area so More secure. And again, that's all coming from the AVMA. And for more recommendations to ensure the safety of your pets before, during, and after any other celebration, visit avma.org for details. An unexpected noise, whether from fireworks or other sources, can occur at any time. I remember long ago being with some friends at San Onofre State Beach and someone shot off a firecracker or bottle rocket. Terrifying one of my friend's dogs, and it took off despite being on a leash. It had been so startled it broke free somehow, and mayhem ensued. And the dog ended up being fine, at least on the surface. But while we may be having a good time, it's important to consider how others, including pets, may respond to light, noise, and crowds. And even if people stay inside at home, depending on where you live, people can't always opt out when it comes to the fireworks and crowds. So do have some sensitivity towards each other, our veterans, and our pets. Okay, so I'm going to take a little vacation from the podcast in July to re-energize and make sure that I am continuously practicing what I preach in each episode. And you may have been able to hear it in my voice during this podcast that I still have not completely bounced back from being sick at the beginning of June, so that factored into this decision of taking a few weeks off. But in the meantime, if you're new to the podcast, you can go back and listen to the previous episodes that you haven't heard yet and take time to practice some of the positive psychology exercises that we've talked about and create the space to discover what works and doesn't work for you. For instance, during July, I'm going to continue using my morning routine template because I tend to forget what I have in mind for the morning or something comes up and distracts me from that routine. And you can find the template for free on my resources page at thelemontreecoaching.com, or free in my Teachers Pay Teachers or TPT shop called The Tree by AKS. But the way I use my morning routine template, and I'm using the newer one with the inspirational quote routine, if you're able to print it out in color, even better, but not required, I tend to respond to colors and find the ones on this template to be quite soothing. The template is set up as a checklist. And I tend to date mine at the top with the start date and the end date, so I have a record of what was working for me and what I was doing um, at a certain point in time so that I can be reminded of something down the line that I'm bound to forget. You don't have to print these out daily. I'm planning to use mine for the month of July and then tweak it accordingly along the way or change it come August. And also, remember to break down your routine into small chunks, like we talked about in the last episode when it comes to organizing things. These do not have to be monumental tasks, but signature elements that support a life of peace and purpose. So let me fill out my template as we go. So the first thing on my morning routine checklist is coffee and clock mobility, I love a slow morning, and the first thing I like to do is indulge in my cup of coffee. And while the Keurig is brewing, I do a standing clock mobility routine, which is simply to stand and raise your leg in each direction at each number of the clock as if you were standing in the center of the clock. So your right leg will cover the 12 to the 6, and your left leg 6 back up to 12. I learned this very simple mobility exercise along the way from somewhere, so it's a good mobility check for me, especially as I continue to age. And I'm sure someone can explain it much better than I just did, but there are several mobility exercises that you can find online and adopt into your morning routine. But again, coffee and clock mobility are the first item on my checklist. You can put a big check in the box when you are done for the day, or if, like me, you are going to use one printout for the month, you can put smaller checks or different symbols in the darker green or gray checkoff box, or write the date like 7 real small or in the margin if you wish. Next item I'm going to add to the second list line is reading. I can't always do this on a work morning unless I woke up really early and have some time to burn, or can't do my full reading routine, which usually consists of a variety of books I am currently reading. And I'm not saying this is a good plan, it's just my plan, but I tend to have multiple books that I'm reading at once due to curiosity and my love of learning, but I do have a variety of reading spots around my house with certain books intentionally set up so I can plop down and be ready to read. Sometimes I combine parts of my routine into one step, as the third item on my list is nature, and to be outside whether it's simply watering the plants, feeding the birds, or reading outside. And sometimes the nature part of my routine gets combined with my fourth item, which is movement. So walk outside, yoga inside, and please note that I'm a novice when it comes to yoga. I talked about this in a previous episode, but like all things, I am still a work in progress. And my last item is meditation, and I wouldn't say that I'm great at this either, but I do like to have it as the capstone to my morning routine, and then I'm ready to get into the rest of my day and handle whatever may come a bit better than I probably would have. And when you first start your morning routine, you may only have one or two things on there or choose to have one of the items be an automatic thing like brush your teeth, which of course I do as well, but did not include on my template. When you first start your morning routine, you may only have one or two things on there or choose to have one of the items be an automatic thing like brush your teeth, which of course I do as well, but did not include on my template. You can even think of the morning routine template as a menu from which to choose from if you do not have time to do all of the items. So similar to our self-care menu that I mentioned in earlier episodes, the idea is to choose things that will help you live a life of peace and purpose and perhaps strengthens your signature strengths. And if you're new to the podcast, if you want to find out what your signature strengths are, go to the viacharacter.org to take the free assessment and listen to some of the earlier episodes. I do refer back to this assessment and how you can apply it to your life quite a bit. It just seems to be a natural reference with a lot of the topics discussed. So as I mentioned before, I'm going to take a little vacation from the podcast in July to re-energize and make sure that I am continuously practicing what I preach in each episode. Who knows, I may get excited about something and come back a bit earlier than expected, but the podcast episodes will for sure resume the first Wednesday in August. And I'm not going to call it Season 2, I'm just going to continue to number the episodes as we continue on in our journey of exploration and discovery. And again, you can't possibly do all the exercises we talked about each day, nor will all of them work the same for each person. It's your job to figure out what is most beneficial to you and best promotes your wellness, your balance in life, and the practice of what makes you happy. Keyword again being practice, meaning you do whatever works for you on a consistent basis and not just once and you're done and happy forever. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please follow or subscribe so you are notified in August that the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast is back and growing and evolving with each episode. I'll continue to synthesize the research and bring you the findings, and I'll even have some guests, so stay tuned for that as well. Okay, so there you have it. In this episode, we talked about Fourth of July, veterans and pets, thick understanding of happiness, post-traumatic growth, and how to use the morning routine template. And if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can also follow me on Instagram at the Lemon Tree Coaching. I post inspirational quotes that I've encountered along the way and simply want to share them with you. There are direct links to both my website to get you to some free resources as well as the podcast. And if you like my show, please share it with a friend and let them know that they can listen to the Lemon Tree Coaching podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever they listen to their favorite podcasts teachers, you may also want to check out The Lemon Tree by AKS on TPT, formerly known as Teachers Pay Teachers. This episode didn't have too much referring to the classroom, and I know it's the summer, and please rejuvenate during your time off. Some of the resources that I'm constantly adding each week on TPT coincide with your wellness, as well as other lessons for ELA and psychology classes, several of which I do mention on the podcast. For instance, the morning routine template, which we just talked about, the stop method and rain printouts are now available as free downloads, as well as the introductory assignment to human strengths. So again, check it out on TPT. My shop name is The Lemon Tree by AKS. You can also find the link in the show notes at thelemontreecoaching.com under the resources tab, as well as some other free resources. And once again, this is Dr. Allison Sucamelli saying it's been a pleasure sharing the space with you. Enjoy the month of July. I'll be back in August. So until next time, have fun, be safe, and practice some positive psychology exercises that work for you.